Welcome to another episode of Miami Cop Talk. Visit us at MiamiCopTalk.com. With us is Robert Essential and Raul Correa discussing the latest issues in public safety, law enforcement, what's in the news with invited guests. And again, visit us, help us grow our audience. We are one community, one voice. And let's get ready to start another episode of Miami Cop Talk. I'm Raul Correa. With me is my partner and co-host, Robert Essencio. We want to thank everyone that's listening and been uh, supporting the show. Robert, you want to say hi to the folks? Yes. Um, hope everyone had a great Mother's Day. For all of you mothers who we did not have an opportunity to um, you know, wish you a holiday, we wish you a belated happy Mother's Day and hope <laughs> you have a great month and even better year, as you said last week, Raul. Well, we have a, a good show for you today. We have with us a true law enforcement professional who uh, recently started a company by the name of Talon Protection Group. And we're gonna go ahead and uh, introduce this uh, individual who knows a lot of, about law enforcement, knows a lot about the South Florida community. Um, I'm gonna let him uh, uh, you know, give you his background and tell you his story. We have J.P. Guillot, for those, that he, he mentioned Olga Guillot, and that's how you pronounce his last name, for those of you that know Spanish music and uh, Cuban culture. Uh, J.P., welcome to Miami Cop Talk. Good morning, guys. Uh, thank you for having me in the show. Um, a great fan. Of, I've seen your show many times. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, and happy Mother's Day. Um, yesterday was a great day for everyone, so um, congratulations and, and, and um, happy Mother's Day. Uh, I'm J.P. Guillot. I, um, I'm entering my 26th year of um, law enforcement. Uh, been a long, long road, but uh, I love it every single day. I'm, I'm excited to uh, continue um, working this fantastic field. Um, I oversee the uh, police academy and also oversee the active shooter program for our department here in South Florida. Um, and um, ready to uh, get into it, man. But it's, I'm excited. Great. Um, welcome, J.P., as well. Listen, we wanted to have you on because, you know, as we've seen in the news recently, right, and, and playing out throughout the country, you know, there's a lot of scrutiny about police work. There's certainly a lot of uh, second guessing uh, when it comes to uh, when officers goes hands on or contact shootings. And, you know, we know that most officer involved shootings are good shootings, but it's those that are that are the bad shoots. It's those that are bad uses of force that have really, really brought this 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 issue to contention where now we have a certain segment of society that has really gone after police work and, and really painted all police officers. We tried to paint them with the same brush. So having you on as a police trainer, a person who's been on law enforcement, in law enforcement for 26 years, a person who's looking at the next level of their life, a person who's training police officers, um, can you really touch on how training has changed and, and give those viewers that really don't know about police work a little inside view that otherwise they would not have. Can you do that for us? Yeah, great question. I think that, uh, you know, like with everything in, 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 our, in our life, things evolve, right? So I remember when I first got onto the department, we didn't have tasers, not because the department didn't have it, it's just, it didn't exist, right? So we have, we went from the, from hands-on, like in the you know, 1900s and whatever to, you know, impact weapons, like an expandable or a PR-24 or a stick. Yeah. And then now it evolved to the expandable batons, which is an asp. And then it went to the pepper spray, you know, a little year, you know, further on. And then 
eventually we got to the taser and then now there's different generation of tasers. So everything evolves in, in police work. And, and I think that uh, it's important to keep moving uh, uh, towards a, a direction where we're one with the public and we understand that uh, our mission is to work with the public and, and understand that, that the police department is the public. It's like, uh, the, there's a quote, you know, the, pub, the police is the public, the public is the police. Police officers and people understand police officers come from a segment of our community. You know, we're all, we're all part of the community. You're, you guys are former police officers, you know, you're enjoying your retirement. You're doing a great thing now to, uh, to educate the public, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm off today, but you know, in a few hours, I'm going to go to Publix and, and get my, my lunch. Or I'm going to go have a, a run around my neighborhood and go to the mail um, mailbox and, and, and talk to my neighbors. Like I'm a human, I'm a person from the, from the community. So police apartments are, 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 are made up from, from, from our, from our communities and, and, and nobody wants to take a life unless we really have to, but uh, the involvement of, of our, our training, uh, you know, including de-escalation training, very huge, you know, um, there's different ways of de-escalating situations. Uh, there's a huge segment of our of our community that is that's uh, suffering from mental illness. How do we deal with that? So, on top of all the things that the police officers are, are tasked with, now we'll become, you know, street psychologists. You know, so there there's you know coronavirus uh, came on and we have a lot of unemployment. So there's millions of of uh, mentally ill individuals. Um, a quick stat that I, I, I uh, have for you guys, uh, 40, there's 40 million, and I can give you the, uh, I can give you the, uh, the research on it. Uh, 40 million individuals suffer from mental illness in our country. Uh, 10 million are serious. They're, they suffer from really serious mental illness, but a shocking stat is 56% of them do not even take medication. So who ends up dealing with these individuals that need uh, help? is usually first responders, either you know, f- uh, fire rescue or police officers. So we need training uh, more, more now than ever to make sure that we're dealing with situations like this. There's two videos that came out um, last week where a uh, police department, city manager police department was able to save two individuals, individuals' lives. One was hanging from a bridge. <clears throat> the other one was uh, com- committing suicide. He was standing or sitting on top of a roof of a building, and the officers were able to de-escalate those situations, place them safely into custody, and 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 take them to a medical facility to, to help them. So that's one of many examples that I can tell you about right now in our community that police officers are doing to to uh, make our community safe. But we need we need training, and we continue training. So de-escalation training to answer your question, and place a bias training to make sure that we. Uh, are fair across the board with every single person we meet that that our law enforcement tactics are impartial right that we treat everybody um with fairness and with trust and that's the way we we build public trust well jp let me ask you a question and 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 i appreciate what you've been sharing with us and those stories that you mentioned about the uh the officers saving those individuals that you know were trying to commit suicide and whatnot i saw that on the news and and that tends to be the norm in law enforcement. They're out there helping the community on a daily basis. Um, unfortunately, there's a segment of our population because, and we've talked about it on the show, politics gets involved in police work and it doesn't, politics and policing don't, you know, set well, you know, especially when politicians are trying to, um, you know, score points for certain segments of the population. 
know, there's a, that sentiment that we've all heard that defund the police, which is a delusional view. I've seen that. I also believe in fairy tale, fairy tales and unicorn. That's not going to happen. Um, if anything, it's going to, uh, you know, be the opposite of that. And we've talked about it offline with Minneapolis and, and other agencies that have gone that route and not are trying to make up for it and are even hiring more police than they had before. So the public needs to be educated. And, and, and I know that social media does that. That's what we're doing here on Miami Cop Talk. We're trying to educate the public. We're trying to educate everyone. Um, but from your perspective, from a police professional, from a police trainer, what is something that you would want the public to know as far as I know that there's a lot of technology out there. Um, there's a lot of things that, you know, internally within police work that uh, the public is unaware of. What would you want the public to know? Because you have those that are going to hate because haters will hate. But when someone needs assistance, they call the police. Those same haters are the ones that pick up the phone and call the police when, when uh, you know, things happen. So what would you say to the public? to try to change the sentiment. I know, again, offline, we've talked about things. If you want to bring up things that have affected law enforcement, Ferguson and whatnot. So what would you tell the, the, the community um, and the public at large as far as that, that hate sentiment towards the police? Well, uh, I would say that first and foremost, I think that's like you, you mentioned, very, very small um, segment of, the, of our community thinks like that. Here um, in South Florida, at least, or in Dade County and, and Broward, um, we did not see that segment of the community um, because I, 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 I was out there last year, <clears throat> very small. There's about 2.7 or 3 million people in Dade County. And if you look at the demonstrations, very small. GP, we lost your audio. <clears throat> Try it again. All right. You hear me now? Yes. Okay. I apologize. So there's a 2.7 million or 3 million people in Dade County. And, and when you look at the demonstrations or, or people that cause trouble, you know, I would say fewer than 100 or, or 100 or 200. Right. So that's a good sign. I think, you know, uh, most uh, people out there support the police. Uh, you'd be surprised. Um, I've been eating. I've been eating with the guys out, out, out and about and people just pay for our dinner or pay for our lunch. <clears throat> it's very um, it's a little bit embarrassing. Like, man, it, it's you want to know who it is so you can say, but they don't even want to know. They, they don't, they, it's just surprise, right? They, they pay for it lunch. They, they thank us. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of great people out there. And, and so I don't want to say that the public doesn't trust or uh, doesn't support us. We just hear about the ones they don't, right? So we don't hear about the ones they do. And I think that's just the media <clears throat> playing that, that card. But uh, if I got to say something, uh, you know, uh, videos are very funny. Videos are, are only show a little part of what really happens. I would say, Let's wait until everything comes out. There's there's a lot of situations where officers don't have the information, right? They're, they're going based on the information that they have at the time. And then later on, the court proceedings or, you know, take an attorney a year to uncover <clears throat> everything that happened in that situation. And the officers are not previewed to that when they're making decisions, right? Well, they're, 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 uh, they're judged on the reasonableness of the situation. So what a reasonable officer would do with the information he had at the time, that's how officers are judged. So <clears throat> let's give them that due, due diligence or due process <clears throat> to uncover. And if something something went wrong or <clears throat> they acted uh, uh, with outside the parameters of, of their legal uh, standard, then we should be punished, right? We should be held accountable. But let's give them the 
give the officers that, that due process and, and let's see what happened because any split second <clears throat> video coverage that you see on channel 10 today or whatever channel, um, it's hard to make uh, an, an informed decision. We don't know what happened before leading up to the, to the situation. And so uh, I would say just let's, let's give the officer um, their due, due process. And again, if, if they were found to be uh, doing something that was unlawful, then, then they should be held accountable. But let's give them the, the benefit of the doubt. No, um, I, I, have a, I have a comment, right? So last week I'm watching TV. We saw the, the tourist on Miami Beach. Now we know that Miami Beach has had a swell of violence, say within the last year. Certainly during spring break was a, was a period that was quite chaotic. We saw the guy running after, some, after spring break. We saw a guy on TV running, firing his firearm down indiscriminately down the street. Now last week, what I'm getting to the point is that I saw a video of a, a gentleman that gets... Uh, a couple gets off the bus and a man's on the bus, on the bus bench um, having definitely, definitely break from, from reality because he sits, you can see him singing or talking to himself. But at the end of the point, the point being is that as the tourist gets off the bus, um, he attacks the male and starts beating on her. And I believe he hit the female as well. Uh, talk to me about the officers on the road and, and, the level of violence they're seeing for those that are have mental health that are that are really causing these encounters. Yeah, if, if so, the, this is something that uh, I think we talked about. So we had something called the Ferguson effect. So that comes from Ferguson, Missouri, where the the riots of uh, uh, Mr. Brown uh, that was shot and killed in, in Ferguson, Missouri, and then you, you saw the the lack of support from law enforcement officials. Uh, management, uh, chiefs and, and, and staff, and from the elected officials. And so if the officers don't feel like they're being supported by either the community or by their, 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 their staff, they're going to do something called de-policing, right? So de-policing man, means that you're just going to respond in, in a reactive fashion, not in a proactive fashion. <clears throat> so there are segments for cities in our country, obviously, there's high crime area. There's a lot of gun gun violence. And in those areas, like just to name a few, you got Chicago, New York, Houston, um, segments of Miami or L.A., uh, Minneapolis, uh, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. You, you have a lot of gun violence, Baltimore, Philadelphia. And so we need officers who are proactive, meaning let's manage, let's stop the crime before it happens by either doing investigative stops, frisk, Stop and Frisk, which was uh, taken away in New York, and we've seen the rise of homicides um, that's that's spreading out. So the de-policing now, there's a term called the Minneapolis effect, where we're seeing pockets of big cities right now as we speak. This is not a, a fantasy. Well, right now, if you do the research out there, um, you, you'll see uh, triple uh, numbers of homicide, uh, 100%, 195%. I'll give you one. Uh, St. Louis, Missouri, um, has a hit a 50-year high in homicides this year, 50-year high, um, and that's just one example of many. So, de-policing doesn't work. We need to support our police officers, especially in the same cities that that these things are happening. And the only thing is gonna, the only people are affected are the people who live in those inner cities, and, and they need the police. Um, and so, uh, another example. Uh, in Portland, they, they um, uh, I'm sorry, in, uh, uh, in Portland, but also in Minneapolis, last month alone, the city 
officials moved to dismantle the police department. I, I, this is they, this didn't um, get a lot of notoriety in the news, but they actually voted to replace the police department with a public safety department. Know what the difference is? I think it's the same, it's just a name change. But how does that affect the morale in the police department? Now we have 200 officers leaving that police department. They went from 800 to 600. Look at their stats right now. Look at their homicide. Look at their violent crimes. It's out of control. So we have to be more responsible, I think, as, as overall leaders, political leaders, and law enforcement leaders. And the decisions that we make today are going to affect the public tomorrow. So to make sure that we're making the, 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 the right decisions and not just knee-jerk reactions. Uh, we're talking with J.P. Guillaume from uh, Talent Protection Group. I have a question for J.P. Um, and, and just to you know, go off what you were just saying, you're absolutely right. There was uh, in the news this weekend, New York City, Times Square, at one point it was considered one of the safest places in the United States. It got more cameras in Times Square than anywhere else. It had more police officers in Times Square than anywhere else. And someone had the tenacity to um, you know, sh you know, commit a, a shooting in, in Times Square. So obviously the depolicing you're, you're mentioning is happening and we need to try to correct that, you know, you know, change course in this country. And I believe that those that watch Miami Cop Talk and listen to our podcast, support the police. We back the blue on Miami Cop Talk. But I want to ask you a question. It was a recent incident. And I know some of our uh, celebrities in Hollywood and athletes have got involved. Uh, young lady with a knife, Bryant. And, um, you know, she was shot by a Columbus, Ohio police officer, if I, if I, if I got the city correct. Um, I think what ends up happening is people don't understand, and, I, and I've said this on the show, if you're following, following policy procedures, guidelines, and state statute, um, you can question the actions of the officer. But again, if you're following policy procedures, guidelines, and state statute, then the officer acted accordingly. Um, I've given my opinion. I thought it was a good shoot. But if you look at what happened, which is, again, going back to technology and as part of what your company, Talent Protection Group, you know, you're, you're on the cutting edge of training and whatnot. We had a body cam video released within 24 hours. And if that doesn't show good faith from a law enforcement perspective to tell the community, listen, we have nothing to hide. I've never seen that before. I don't know if you want to share that, share a little bit about that incident, uh, what you think. Uh, how technology played into that. You had body camera footage within 24 hours being released. Um, share a little bit about your, uh, your, your opinions on that incident. Yeah, so uh, the Makia Bryant unfortunate incident that happened in Columbus, Ohio earlier this year, uh, for those who don't know, uh, it was a, uh, a, a large fight where 911 dispatchers were, were called to the scene of a, a fight involving someone with a knife that was stabbing other people. Police officer get there, uh, gets there, the first officer on the scene, uh, attempts to break the fight. He observed a, a female holding a large knife, attempting to stab uh, someone else, actively trying to, to kill someone else uh, in his presence. Um, the officer discharged his firearm and, um, and shot the, uh, the, uh, the young lady who passed away, right? So very unfortunate um, situation, um, obviously, no police officer wakes up saying, I know I want to kill someone today. Um, I want to uh, purposely do anything. You know, officers want to go home and they want to serve the community without that. That officer is going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. Right. Uh, I guarantee you that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. He's going to be, he's, he's, he's going to be uh, in some kind of uh, crisis for, for a while. Um, 
And so when we look at that incident, you know, a lot of people, uh, so, so we have either the, either the, the, the president or political um, leaders and, and Hollywood actors that don't know what police officers do and their training and why. Um, I think muddy, right, or, or, or distort, uh, distort the truth. And, and, and that's why the public sometimes doesn't understand because we're getting conflicting information from people who are supposed to be leaders, right? So when you have uh, elected officials from the highest level saying that we should shoot somebody who has a knife in the arm, right, or in the leg, or use a taser in a situation like that, the public then starts to second guess the police officers, right? Why didn't you do this if this is what these people are saying, right? So if the highest level officials are saying that we can do that, why are we doing it? And so, yeah, that's bizarre to me, right? So, so, so I have a question for you with, with the recent <laughs> high level of you know media attention, because we can't call it anything else, media attention to police shoots. Do you see the, the move in law enforcement um, moving to less lethal or any other types of disarmament type engaging um, scenarios? Yeah, we, we, we do that already. Yeah, I, so if, if uh, I, I invite your viewers to go to YouTube and see hundreds of videos where officers uh, uh, neutralize or, or, dis, uh, or, or um, apprehend subject without using force, you know, there's beanbags, there's a shotgun beanbags that we can shoot from, from a distance. And you can see a lot of videos where this happens, but there are certain situations that are, that are fast evolving that time, the windows that you can use that kind of weapons close very rapidly. And when somebody's actively seeing a situation where they can die, the police officers has no choice. It's not the choice of the officer is the, cho the choice of the offender doing that at the time where it forces the officer to take lethal action to stop and save a life, right? So the officer took a life to save a life, which is, again, you know, I keep saying it, it's unfortunate the officer didn't want to do that. I, I can guarantee you that, but we, we do that. Law enforcement do that, just depending on the situation, right? And that's That situation there, really hard to do. If you look at a video on YouTube, uh, uh, LAPD, uh, in, encounters a subject with a knife or a machete, and um, they try to use beanbags to disarm him. And the beanbags didn't work. And what happened? That the subject turned around, took a female hostage, and then the officers were forced to shoot. Unfortunately, they shot the hostage and the hostage taker. So there, it, it, it's out there, right? It just depends on the situation. It's very, very fluid, and, uh, and, and, and they couldn't do it. Thank you. Well, JP, as we're getting ready to um, end the show, I want to thank you for coming on. And, and you know, I, I really appreciate you sharing your expertise. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, you know, the level of force has to be consistent with what they're confronting. You know, law enforcement has uh, beanbags, like you said, some munition, gas, you name it. But if you're seeing a deadly force that's going to potentially occur, then unfortunately, the only other remedy for law enforcement is to use deadly force in return. Um, and that is an unfortunate situation. And I appreciate you being on Miami Cop Talk. Listen to MiamiCopTalk.com on all media platforms, social media platforms, and on podcasts. I have uh, JP Guillaume from Talent Protection Group. And if people need to get a hold of you and want to share, uh, you know, want to see what your company's all about, uh, want to reach out to you for training, uh, if you want to share really briefly before we end the show, what kind of training you offer to those individuals out there, please do the, uh, please uh, 
provide the information on where people can reach out to you. Yeah, so and on Instagram is uh, Talent Protection, uh, 305-614-4077. Uh, 305-614-4077. I just started that mainly, I started doing concealed weapons uh, permits for, for civilians so they could protect themselves. And I saw the level of training wasn't there. So if, if you're gonna go out there and carry a gun, which, which we promote, it's our constitutional right, make sure that you're responsible enough to understand how to carry a gun. Um, don't hurt yourself, number one, right? And understand the parameters of your responsibility. You have responsibility, it's a privilege, right? To, to have one. It's a right, but it's also, it, it, it can be taken away. So understand the laws, understand, and you have to train. It's like the level of training to get a, 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 a concealed permit license is just unbelievable to me, the, the level of, of non-training, right? So people get permits, they don't know how to carry a gun, they don't know how to shoot it. So get a gun, yeah, but understand how to protect yourself. So we um, have, we have a group of guys that, that are really great at training. So we train civilians, law enforcement, uh, in the use of firearms and um, give us a call and, and we'll set something up. Excellent, thank you, JP. <laughs> and again, it's been JP Gio from Talent Protection Group. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of Miami Cop Talk. Again, listen to us at MiamiCopTalk.com. Uh, we have our platform there where you can go to all, all the uh, Spotify and all those other uh, good platforms out there to listen to the show. If you have any information, any comments, you want to reach out to us, it's 305 at MiamiCopTalk.com. You have been listening to Miami Cop Talk. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and visit us at MiamiCopTalk.com to get the latest on all our broadcasts. We want to thank our partners and sponsors that have made Miami Cop Talk possible. And on behalf of Robert Essencio and Raul Correa, we want to thank you for listening to Miami Cop Talk. Stay connected and visit us at MiamiCopTalk.com.